Howdy everyone and welcome to Rough Talk with Al the Dog Trainer. I'm Al Longoria and I'll be your host today. You can expect several things from this podcast. Rough Talk is going to be a series of audio experiences covering my day-to-day interactions with my clients and their dogs, as well as content from my live shows and anything else I can think of that may bring you value. It is my hope that this content will help you raise a happy and reliable dog. Howdy gang, I'm Al the Dog Trainer and welcome to episode 7 of Rough Talk. In today's episode, you're going to hear a conversation that I had with Sue and Bill who wanted some help with dealing with their three dogs after getting into a brawl. The three dogs are Journey, a one-year-old, Lancer, a six-year-old, and Scruffy, a 12-year-old. Here are some of the things you will hear us discuss. The circumstances leading up to the fight and what steps they have taken up to prevent more my multi-step plan that will help Sue and Bill restore order, and how to get the dogs to begin to get along again. The plan that I laid out is generalized. I assumed that the dogs already knew how to do some of the skills. I also assumed that Sue and Bill understood the fundamentals of remote collar training. So with that out of the way, here is that conversation. Hi, Sue. It's Al, the dog trainer. How are you today? I'm, I'm well, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing really well. Just, uh, yeah, busy day, but uh, I figured it would be a good time to talk to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. My husband, Bill, is joining us. Whatever, Bill. Is it Al? Hey, Al. Hi, Bill. How how, I'm really well, man. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you for calling. Yeah, hey. Thank, thank uh, you so much for squeezing us in today. Um, I really wanted Bill to be a part of this so that we're sure that we're both on the same page. Yeah, I'd, I'd really love to help in any way that I can. Okay, well, I sent you um, the, the three. We have three dogs. Okay. Um, the oldest of which is a, um, he was a rescue, uh, Pomeranian Poodle Mix. He's the little white scruffy dog that I sent you the picture oh, of. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's very, he's uh, rather frail. Um, he's had multiple bladder surgeries in the past, Oh. I don't know, seven or eight years, and he's riddled with arthritis. And if you'll notice in the picture that I sent you, his one paw is pretty much always off the ground. That is pretty gnarled up oh, with arthritis, man. and he pretty much just hobbles around. Okay. Uh, the, the second dog that we have is an Australian Shepherd, and he is six. He's somewhat of a bully, and he's definitely the alpha dog in our family. Yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah. He's a big guy, and I actually talked to you earlier this year about his barking issue. Okay. Oh, I see yeah. your dogs. Yeah, I see your information now. I'm still having a slight bark. He's much, much better. Okay. Um, but he is, uh, for the most part, a very, very well-behaved dog. And then a year ago, we got a, a golden retriever. Okay. And um, up until now, she's been somewhat of a perfect dog. Okay. And that's journey, that's journey, right? That's journey, right. Okay. And so um, we've always been a multiple dog household. I guess I'll start with that. We're not new to dogs. Okay. Um, and we were getting ready to go on vacation about a month ago. And typically when I, when I do the dog's feet, trim their nails, I have, sometimes I'll use the clippers, sometimes I use a Dremel. Okay. And um, I will use a clipper for the hair in between their pads. Okay. 
And so because my daughter was taking care of the dogs when we were gone, I wanted to make sure that they're, they're, they were all cleaned up in the feet so they wouldn't be dragging stuff in the house when we were gone. Okay. Typically, I will do the dogs separately. And I started to do Lancer because he was really furry. He's the, he's the Aussie. Yeah. And the dogs know when I'm doing this, I always have a treat available. And so they buy for attention because they want to get in and get their feet done so they can get a treat. Okay. I was using, first of all, I was using a new high value treat that happened to be given to me by a friend. I had never used this treat before. Typically I just use kibble for the most part. Um, and, uh, so I was trimming up Lancer's feet. All three dogs were out as they often are. Um, each one of them, I did each one of their feet one by one, one by one, everything was fine. I still had three treats left over. I put Lancer in a sit stay position. I had journey do a little trick that I had taught her and I had asked. So I did Lancer first and I did journey. And then the only trick that Scruffy does anymore, he does a little, he kind of stands up on his feet and does a little dance. And so okay. I asked him to dance. As soon as I asked him to dance and I reached down to give him the treat, Journey jumped up, came over, grabbed a hold of him, and began to try to kill him. I see. Lance got up from his sit-stay position. He came over and joined in on it. The rest of my family members came running in. We were able to separate them and... Uh, Scruffy had to have multiple staples. He Jeez. was he had puncture wounds, you know, quite a, many places over his body. Jesus. He was, um, you know, I mean, he survived fine. They really did. It was mostly skin that they got. They really didn't get into the meat okay. uh, for the most part. But nonetheless, there's no question in our minds whatsoever that they were trying to kill him. Yeah, you know, that man, well, for sure, it seems, uh, that's a pretty hairy situation, man. So, you know, what do you think actually happened? Like, what's your read, what's your read on why they all of a sudden decided to do that? Or is it, are you just really kind of unsure what caused that? Well, um, typically, I'm not doing anything with food around multiple dogs. Typically, they're separated. I never had a reason when I've given them treats before and I will kind of, and, I, and I've never had an issue. I think one of the reasons was this was a super high value treat. It was some kind of a, a box. A, a friend of mine had her dog passed away and she gave me all her treats and it was like, okay. a, it's almost like beef jerky. Okay. It's something I've never given before. And the only thing that I can figure out is that she wanted it. She's never given me any indication. She's never snarled, never growled, never done anything at all. The trimming was over. So we had, we were done with the feet, and I just decided, like, well, I had some treats left. So I said, oh, let's just let them do some little tricks here with it. Okay. And so when we came back, I sort of went on a mission to try to see what I could find. Um, I went to the Learburg site and ordered a muzzle and a dominant dog collar. Okay which I haven't used yet because I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah. No, I see that. So well, those tools are important. Like the muzzle, the muzzles are your friends because they obviously prevent the thing that you don't want to happen from happening again or worse. Right. So there's that. And the dominant dog collar, well, that can work. Essentially what that does is obviously it's going to cut dog, cut the dog's airway when it decides to start, going into that kind of aggressive act, right? Uh -huh. 
Look, I always try to I always try to look at these any kind of situation in the simplest way that I possibly can, because we're humans and we tend to make things overly complicated. I'm not sure. saying I'm not saying this isn't complicated because it is. You've got three dogs. You've got high value food. You've got two dogs willing to go in after another dog in the presence of their owner. Why in the world did they think that they could even do that in front of you? Like that's for me, that's the underlying issue. Like, why do the other dogs think that they can treat your dog like that? Oh, I can't answer that. Yeah, you, you know. So, well, it's in a way like we can we can generalize it. It's it's disrespectful for them to actually at, treat any dog like that in your presence because they don't. You're you're not some like I don't like using the word, but I think it's the right word to use here. That they're not fearful of the consequences of what would happen if they were to mess with with your dog. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I don't mean fear. Like, like they're like that. The dogs are living in fear, but they understand that you're interacting with your dog, and they're to stay away from you at that moment because if they were to do what they did, they wouldn't like what happened next. And that doesn't mean that it would you would go about hurting the dogs or anything like that. On the contrary, it just means that there's some there's some rules in the house that if they're not obeyed, that there's a consequence that's specific to that dog that they understand that we don't that that they're going to get in trouble. The way that I generally fix this kind of issue with dogs um, is I start with low level remote collar training. And place training. Are you familiar with with you know? Are you familiar with place training? And you are you familiar with remote collars? I am. So, uh, do you have? Do you already have any remote collars? I do. Okay. What what brand do you have? It is a. Is it the mini it's educator? The it's the Einstein Infinity. Okay. Great. Yeah. Great. Great. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't happen to have it. Uh, well, it doesn't matter which model that you have. So here's kind of what I would do as a drill for probably the next, oh, probably the next five days with each dog individually. In particular, I would be doing it with, uh, with Journey and Lancer because Scruffy, it was, Scruffy didn't really do anything wrong. Right. So, uh, but I would probably start with Journey. I, and Journey is, oh, she's one. That's a puppy. Jesus, man. What the heck was that puppy thinking? So, yeah, you know, why in the world was she thinking that she could actually that she could actually uh, treat Scruffy that way? So, so what I would do, what I would do is I would use my my training leash. You could use your, you could use the dominant dog collar, but you would use it in a very gentle way. I would okay. put a little bit of tension down the dominant dog collar, and we're not talking about corrective pressure. We're just talking about the least amount that you could use that the dog could feel. Okay. And then you would put her onto her place. And then when she got onto her place, you would relax any of the pressure that's on the line. And you would begin to tell Journey what a good girl she is for doing that. Does that that make sense? Yeah. So a little bit of pressure. You'd get Journey onto the bed. You could say, go to your bed or whatever your command is. When she gets on there, relieve all the pressure, the gentle guiding pressure. Tell her what a good girl she is. And then begin to reinforce her with her kibble and petting and praise. Okay. okay. So the way, the, so then what you do, once you've kind of started that, let's just say you're 20 repetitions into that, this is where you maybe start with your remote. Okay. 
So okay. with your remote, what you're looking for is the lowest number that the dog can actually feel. Do you know how to determine that? I do. Okay. So you that's called the dog's working level. So right. I would be in continuous mode on the black button on your on your remote. I would press the black button. I would be maybe four to five steps away from the bed, and I would give the verbal cue. If the dog showed any confusion, like any hesitation to start getting onto the bed, I would then use my training collar. Well, I'm talking about, you know, slip leash or dominant dog collar, and then get the dog onto the bed. The moment she gets on the bed, I would relax the, the, uh, the remote collar pressure and the dominant dog collar pressure. And then I would okay. and then I would subsequently reward, right? Okay. One thing that I've seen with folks that I've coached this way is that you guys don't make a big enough reward when you do that. Y'all are like in a rush to get the repetitions. And even though that's important, I don't want you to rush the part where you actually show the dog that you really appreciate them, you know, doing what you did, doing what they did. Okay. Now, when I'm doing this training, I'm assuming that Lancer is in his kennel or somewhere in a different room? Yeah, this is just for an introduction because what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to take this information and then generalize it to the next time that you're going to work two dogs with high-value food. Okay. Because what I want you to do then, there's another step, but I'll go ahead and give you this one as I'm thinking about it. As you'll you'll put the dog onto you'll put Journey onto her her bed using the remote collar and you'll have a leash on her, and you'll probably you'll probably want to have your husband there with you, okay? And he can just you, he can just be loosely holding on to Journey's leash, and he could have the remote collar or you can, but somebody whoever's handling Journey needs to have the leash and the remote collar in hand. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So then. You're gonna play. You're gonna you're gonna begin to interact with uh, oh what was uh, Scruffy? You're gonna interact with Scruffy, and if in any way Journey decides to step off the bed, now you're gonna use the remote collar, and either human or both humans can say go back to your bed in conjunction with the button on the remote. Still at the low level. Maybe. This is where this is where this is where it's so useful to have me there because sometimes it's yes and sometimes it's no. But I kind of feel at that point, let's say that you're a hundred repetitions into that protocol, it would not be it would not be the low level. I would probably, as a guess, double the dog's working level. Okay, but I'd still have the leash. So. Okay. If she comes off, which you kind of want the dog to do, because you need them to make the mistake. And remember, we're skipping uh, step two. This is step three. Okay. So if she comes off, I would press the button, and it would probably be at a higher level. And then I would say, get back on. And then when the dog got back on, I would release it. But there would be no rewards anywhere near that. And, And then I would begin to, I would really pay attention and be like, hmm, did that work? Did did she be like, oh, I feel that, and I don't want that to happen. And then she gets back on and it turns off. Because if you do, now you're creating avoidance, you know, towards the thing that you want the dog to learn, right? Okay. So, um, question for you. Um, at this point, 
We have not had the dog. Well, once, well, maybe one and a half times, I guess. Journey has been near Scruffy by mistake. And she snarled at her both times. And one time she lunged at her. Um, other, go lunged at him. Him, him, I'm sorry. Oh, Scruffy, okay, yeah. So Journey's... Other than that, we have not... We have been rotating them in and out. So they have not had any interactions with... I mean, other than uh, Journey, I have moved Scruffy's kennel like three inches away from Journey's. Okay. They are now side by side. I don't know if that's a mistake or not, but I have moved her kennel beside Journey, so they're both side by side. I am feeding them both in their crate now. Side by side. Okay. And other than that, we are rotating them in and out. So what? when Journey is Journey is out, Scruffy's up. Well, both of the dogs are keeping. I mean, Scruffy is at this point he's traumatized. Well, he yeah. Dogs, he shakes. He doesn't want to come in a room if they're there. And so we keep them completely isolated because we haven't known how to approach this. Well, yeah, you know, but think of it like if you had a, like unruly kids and you were trying to calm them down, you wouldn't necessarily send them to different rooms, even though that that's kind of like what you're doing right now. You would teach them how to be in the room with the adults and right. you would make okay. them sit down. And, and you know, and, and some of that would be like when they got it right, wouldn't you tell the kids like, hey, you're, you're behaving a lot better. But then if they started to act dumb, then you would end up, you know, the natural parenting instinct would come out and be like, hey, like, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to lose, you know, you're not going to get to go to that birthday party or get that video game or, you know, or otherwise. Okay. You, you just have to use whatever form of discipline actually ends up working for that particular individual, right? Right. So, like, with the dog, that's why I like the remote because the the, the chance of actually – the, the chance of actually creating an injury with a remote collar, in my opinion, is non-existent. Because you can't, like, you're, you're not choking the dog. There's no, there's no pinch on there. Um, but it is uncomfortable, but there's none of the risks of actually becoming injured. However, dogs do not tolerate higher levels of remote collar. And it gets them to avoid doing things that we need them to stop. Okay. Because, like, because I've seen dogs that have done that are maybe going after humans and other dogs, and people are using, you know, their their choke chains and pinch collars and dominant dog collars, and dogs will be like, "I don't care about those corrections. I'm going to do it anyway." Okay. And I'm not saying that's your dogs, but that's why I opt for the remote because the remote. It's going to sound funny, but it's a gentler way of administering the correction because we don't have to be as concerned about the potential for physical injury to the animal, which nobody wants that. Sure. So, so Okay, so we've got – so now when we have her in her place and she comes off the place, um, where are we having Scruffy at this point? I mean, obviously, this we're going to put her on her place with the remote. That's a new thing. Um, right now, I'm just telling her place. And if she gets off, I lead her back to it. She's yeah. actually doing pretty well with it. So but, so when we have Scruffy there, Scruffy typically will just like sit in a chair in our living room. And her her place is anywhere we put a carpeted, we have this carpet square, and that's where we make her place be. Um, I do have a raised bed. Is that better to use? It's better. It's better for the dogs that you need to set clear boundaries for. What, what I'm imagining in my mind as you're describing that, Sue, is that, that a scruffy like you would be sitting in a chair 
and Scruffy's right. mat would be right next to your feet. And Journey would be six to eight feet away. And maybe your husband's in a chair, but he's got but he's got the line tethered tethered to him. So that way when Journey decides to come off, um, he can physically put her back and use the remote collar. Okay. But, okay, but cool. yeah, because because like you, you need to have them both in the same room because what, what actually does need to happen is that both the dogs need to be in the room and in control of themselves and getting rewarded. Okay. But we also, I, I need, I, I would want Journey and Lancer to both understand that if you guys, if we put you on a play stay and you decide to come off, there's a very real consequence for, for doing what you think you're going to do. Okay. Does that does that make does that make sense? Yeah, perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because then like what once they actually once they understand respect the humans because we we wield this power, then we can get on the process of actually rewarding the dogs and fixing this issue. But I need but you want the dogs to understand you will avoid going after my dog because there's a very real consequence for you and here's what it is. Okay. And that's well, a, I actually thought about that same thing. I was want to pull a journey off that yeah. night. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, with Sue in there, my grandson in there, me not far away, why in the world would she take that risk? I just wonder up at this point if we should have been a little harsher with corrections. Well, I, I don't know that you need to be harsher, but like in the in the day to day yeah. Like because I heard Sue say this a moment ago, you've been you guys have been doing a lot of place or go to your bed, but without any without associating it to leash or e collar pressure, even if it's just the minimal yeah. amount. True. Like, yep, that's true. I just think you need to put those two things together because what I, what's been my experience is as you put those two things together, you take the power of the the pressure and associate it to your voice. And the dog understands that there's something commanding about it. Okay. It's not about being tyrannical or being or being harsh. It's about saying you have to actually respect humans because even though we're going to reward you really well, you actually have to do what we tell you to do, and you must also respect my other dogs. Okay. Because then, because then, like what what you know, poor Scruffy. Scruffy is going to stop shaking. When she believes that you guys will actually defend her and that the dogs actually aren't going to come. Because right now she may have believed that you guys were the strongest. But then when she saw that the other dogs didn't respect you enough, then there was a problem in the hierarchy. And the dog's like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. So now the dog's nervous because it's trying to figure out how do I become powerful enough to stop those two dogs. And it's a problem that the dog can't solve. Sure. Makes, okay, got it. But now you have these two large humans, you know, from the dog's perspective. And so now if all of a sudden the dog begins to see on a regular basis that, hey, these people are actually to be respected, the dog can relax now and go back to what it was intended to be in the first place. Okay. Makes sense. But, you, you know, there's a, the, the thing that I don't like about this conversation, and there's not, it's just that... I have to generalize because I don't get to see or work the dog, you know, put my eyes on the dog. Yeah, so, I understand. Yeah. so 
you know the, the the things that I want. To, so let me let me step let me lay out again just for the benefit, just for y'all's benefit, what steps one, two, and three are because I didn't go over step two. Okay. Okay. Step one: you have the bed out, you have Journey and or Lancer out, and you're going to have a leash on them. You're going to put a little bit of leash pressure. You're going to give them the command to get on their bed. The leash pressure will stay on until the dog gets on the bed. And then you're going to subsequently reward the dog. There can't be any leash pressure once the dog's on the bed and while you're rewarding. Get multiple repetitions of that. Okay, step 1B. Then you're going you're gonna to make sure that you know the dog's working level. Let's call it a, a 6. So you're going to press and hold the black button, which is going to stimulate the dog at level 6 on your remote collar. Then you're going to give the verbal cue, go to your bed. The dog gets on. The moment the, the moment the fourth foot gets onto the bed, you're going to release the button, and then you're going to subsequently reward the dog. Okay, so that's step one. And okay. I want you to do that for today's Monday the 14th. I want you to do that through Wednesday, through Wednesday twice a day. Okay? Okay. All right. The next part is, is determining what's actually going to correct the dog. So you're going to put the dog on the bed with the, uh, with the black button, say, go to your bed. The dog should readily get up on the bed once it, feel, once it feels the stimulation and hears the voice command. If it doesn't, continue to do step one. If you get the dog on the bed by pushing the button, the dog gets on. You tell the dog what a good dog it is. Then I want you to drop some high value food about four to five feet away where it's tempting enough for the dog to come off. You want to allow, go ahead, yeah, take your time. You want to allow the dog to come off, but you have to prevent the dog from getting to the reward. Do not tell the dog to stay, allow the dog to come off. Do, Do not call the dog off, just let the presence of the food tempt the dog to come off. When the dog steps off, now you need to you need to administer a correction. It's a little bit it's a little bit of a guesswork. Let's say that you used a level 7 a level 7 for the working level, why not start with the 14 to correct the dog? So, the dog's on the bed, sees the food, and then the moment that the dog's paw c- comes off the bed and onto the floor, you, you turn the button on and you immediately say, go to your bed. If the level is correct, the dog will retract its foot, put it back on the bed, and then you'll turn the remote off. If the level is wrong, the dog may continue to move forward to get the food. Do not allow the dog to get the food. Okay. Use your leash to put the dog back. If, if you get the number wrong, and it's possible because you have, to, you have to determine what it is, I want you to raise it up four levels at a time. And then, and then once you've kind of said like, oh, she comes off, we touch this button, and she immediately gets back on, that's going to be your minimal corrective level. Okay. Does that mean, and, and then I would program that into the red button on your remote caller. I've got the, uh, right now I've got the dual dog remote 
Is it a circular one or is it kind of oblong? I'm using the black one for Lancer and the red one for Journey. So You can still program it that way. All you need to do, like, so I, I can't remember the instructions off the top of my head, but I have a video on my channel that tells you how to do that. Uh, okay. It's in the instruction. Okay. It's in the instruction manual too, so you can go to eCaller's website and, and download it. But what you would do, let's just say that you're working dog one, you would push the black button followed by the red button to access the boost. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that now. And then if it's the other dog, then you would hit the red button followed by the black button to access right. the boost. Okay. Okay. All right. Do you guys understand step one, two, and three? Well, what was, okay, so I'm taking notes. So was, was uh, step three the food, or is that still step two? Step three, step, that's step two. Step three is other dogs in the room. Gotcha, okay. You just want to make sure, you just want to make sure that the dog understands that when we give you a command to go to your bed or, or things like that, that there is, and you decide to come off, here's what's actually going to happen. And that's why I don't say stay, because I just want the dog to understand that I'm going to let you choose to come off, because I'm not going to change my mind about what happens when you when you decide not to, not to respect my rules. Okay. It, it just has to be an, un, it really needs to be an unspoken thing that disobedience, especially because you had a dog fight, is we're not going to warn you. It's just you're just going to get in trouble. At the end. It's it's not open for it's not open for debate. Okay, sounds good. But then, uh, and and this has been like a really firm conversation for your dog. Please, please, please reward your dogs well when they start fig when they start figuring out this problem, that okay. they actually start getting it right and they start respecting the humans, and then the dogs will be like, oh, we were really confused about what what the expectation was. Okay. Yeah, our vet told us he thought we might have been confusing the dogs as well. Yeah, like, you know what, it's kind of, because you guys are savvy, it's, it really feels that way to me. The, it just seems that one of the dogs didn't really understand that, like, you were having a lot of fun and you've been playing with the dog and the dog maybe looked at you a little bit more like a friend than somebody to be respected. And that doesn't mean you aren't respectable, but the dog the dog clearly didn't think so. Well, I think I, part of the issue is probably, like I said, she has been a near-perfect dog for the past year. So it's been like, I guess, one of those kids when you really don't have to discipline them very much. She's really not needed a lot of discipline. You want to hear something? How yeah. about this? If your dog isn't screwing up at least 10 to 20% of the time, you're not making your training hard enough. Well, I must not be then. It, like, you have to challenge the dog's mind. Okay. Like, I'm not saying to, to go out to look for to look for discipline for your dog, but I am saying that if everything comes really easily to your dog, they might be a little bored, and they might be, well, I can just do whatever the hell I want. Sure. <laughs> it's like the smart kid in uh, elementary school that gets up on the desk and jumps around and does whatever if yeah. she wants, I guess. Yeah, because they said I'm smarter than everybody and the adults really can't do anything. Well, the the thing here, Sue, is that you know, you guys are gonna you're gonna let Journey and Lancer understand that that's not that's not acceptable. Okay. Hey Al, this this may be a dumb question. Sue has far more insight than I do on this kind of training. Just out of curiosity, 
when we're giving the treats and we have just say journeys in the room and we're offering her that treat for doing what she's supposed to do scruffy's in the room does scruffy get a treat also well you know i always look at it like a meritocracy what you know why did you know why should they get a treat like what did what did they do that's that's worthy of it or is it just entitlement now, no, be, be, no, but but now hold on. But Scruffy is a twelve-year-old dog. That dog should be a billionaire by at this point. <laughs> okay, so okay, so do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Like Scruffy shouldn't be a pauper. Scruffy's rich, the richest dog, because like you're the best at everything that you do. And, and I'm being a little idealistic, but the dog has a retirement package. That's not entitlement. You worked for that. Journey, on the other hand, what? The, who the hell are you? <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of, I do look at it that way. Well, yeah, we've I'm, had I'm, we've had differences of opinion about that because every time I give Journey a treat, he feels like I should be giving Scruffy something. And, well, I, I think you should, but you should make the dog work for it. Okay. Look, I, I think that, you know, because if you'd start entitling the dog, you're not working their mind. Make them work for things of value, even if they are billionaires. I like you know the billionaires in our country. They're all still working hard. They're not just drinking margaritas. You know, they're trying to become the you know a, a, a multi billionaire. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that makes sense. So, what's been the most significant thing you guys have gotten out of today? What about you, sweetie? Well, to me, I mean, just the regiment of the plan that he's given us, you know, it all makes sense to us. I know enough about it to, you know, I've heard some of these things before, but putting them all together, it makes a lot of good sense to me. It's just one of those things we'll have to try and hopefully it'll work. And I, I think it will. Good. Yeah. Thank Yeah. And if, you know, if you run into any bumps along the way, don't hesitate to reach back out. I am super busy right now, but you know, I really want to help as many people as I can. So. You certainly have helped us, you know, like oh. I said, we'll give it a whirl. I, I, I feel comfortable. It's going to make a difference. Well, yeah, it, you know, and generally when we, when we reverse engineer the dogs correctly, it, mm-hmm. that plan works really well. Good. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to trying it out. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, it's great talking to y'all. Sue, did you have any, uh, anything you wanted to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm going to go back and, uh, re, uh, reread the remote training book instructions and just make sure to get everything all set we're gonna start to work on it okay well i'm here if you i'm here if you guys need anything okay thank you so much appreciate it yeah you take care guys all right take care thank you so much you're welcome (laughs) bye-bye okay gang i sure hope you all found that useful before we get out of here i just want to remind you all about my tip line It's the place that you can connect with me directly and get the answers to your dog training questions. And here's the great news. It's 100% free. So text me. Here is that number, 832-734-5189. Again, that's 832-734-5189. Well, thanks so much for listening. I'll be back soon. Happy training.